Welcome to the BioCurious Podcast, a place for you to be curious about your biology and discover new ways to upgrade and optimize your mind, body, and human performance. The guests on this podcast are trained experts in the fields of functional health, holistic wellness, and biohacking who share my passion to provide useful and actionable information with all of you that I hope will help you to live your best life. I'm so happy that you're here, and I'm excited to get curious together. So before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to share a couple of really cool projects that I'm a part of that I'm really excited about, and I think all of you would also be excited to hear about. The first is the Women's Biohacking Collective, which is my personal passion project and is the first exclusive holistic and evidence-based women's biohacking community founded by four women in STEM and is the only magazine-style co-op and community for women-centered holistic biohacking content. So I hope all of my awesome biohacking lady friends check it out and join us there. The Instagram page is WB underscore collective and on the web it's thewbcollective.com. The other one is actually an opportunity to hang out with me for two weeks in Iceland for a fully immersive two-week biohacking experience with Live Beyond Global, which is actually directly following the Health Optimization Summit in London in September. I'll be there alongside other biohacking experts and a select group of super high-performance humans to recharge, do deep work, experience the healing power of nature, and apply targeted biohacks with the best of the best. And it would be super cool if you joined us too, but there's only a few slots left for this trip, so you'll need to hop on that ASAP. You can go to livebeyond.global to apply. On today's episode of the BioCurious Podcast, we are discussing personalized approaches for health optimization with Ty Jensen, who is a well-known leader in the field of health and wellness and a successful entrepreneur in the health sector. Ty is originally trained in the biological sciences, but decided to forego traditional medical school to found multiple startups in the health and nutrition sectors. Currently, he operates Bare Nut Butters, which is a bulk almond butter company and is the head of business development at Routine Vitamins, which is a consumer biotech company specializing in nutrigenetics and personalized vitamins. On this episode, we discuss the most important foundational pillars of health, if the magic pill really exists, foundational biohacks to try before investing money in advanced biotech, personalizing vitamins based on DNA, lifestyle, and blood nutrient levels, the most common genetic mutations that cause micronutrient imbalances, how to repurpose your 23andMe data to better understand your health status and needs, plus the best DNA analysis software to use, why the nature versus nurture debate is totally outdated, the most effective ways to improve sleep, and how terms like biohacking are being misused for marketing. Well, Ty, thank you so much for joining the BioCurious podcast today. I am super excited to get into our discussion 
about biohacking and nutrigenetics. Even maybe we'll talk about nut butter. But um, before we get into that, I wanted to uh, hear a little bit more about your background and how you got into working in the field of nutrigenetics with routine vitamins. Absolutely. So thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. I think this is going to be a great discussion. Um, yeah, I, I always like to talk about kind of my background because I have a atypical route in terms of getting into the health field, um, at least for the past, you know, five years or so. So I like to start kind of way back from the beginning and kind of talk about, you know, even just as simple as like grade school and like kind of how I became interested in the sciences and stuff like that um, and, and why I'm so interested in kind of vitamins and supplements and populational health now these days. So, you know, I've always been like an athlete um, and I really actually, while I excelled in school, I always kind of hated it um, until about eighth grade science. I had a really good uh, teacher and I really kind of connected with the material and I was like, okay, this is something I finally actually enjoy learning about. I don't just stare out the window watching kids at recess all day. Um, and so being an athlete and kind of like understanding that I'm interested in the sciences, I also live in a community where like a lot of my friends' parents were physicians, clinicians, and I kind of made that connection. I was like, all right, like I finally found something that I really enjoy learning and it kind of falls into my, you know, natural love for like the human body and athletic performance. Um, so I want to be a doctor. So I went off to school down in Florida um, and I was pre-med program and did that for four years. Um, did really well, really enjoyed uh, kind of the learnings. I have a bachelor's of science in biology and minors in chemistry and psychology. So I have a strong foundation in kind of the, the basic sciences. And from there, obviously, the next step was to go to medical school. So I took the MCAT, did really well in the MCAT, and then started applying to medical schools. And, you know, one of the conversations that kind of has defined my life so far was actually at an interview at University of Florida Medical School. I sat down with a doctor. He was a, just a GP, um, but he was kind of more of like an entrepreneurial GP. He uh, owned a kind of like a series of clinics uh, throughout the, the state. And he was basically talking to me and we had a 15 minute time block scheduled and it actually ended up going on for about an hour and 15 minutes. And he was just asking me like, what do you, what are your goals in the health field and all this type of stuff. And I was, you know, oh, I'm going to change the industry from within. And like, here's, here's why we're so bad at treating chronic disease. And like, here are the solutions and this and that. And he was like, look, and like, you're going to be so unhappy if you follow this route that you're on right now, because you, you can't make those changes. Like this industry isn't set up for it. Um, you have to find a different, a different way. And so um, I kind of took that to heart and ended up actually not even going to medical school and kind of went off and partnered with one of my, my buddies. He's a pharmacist down in uh, Miami, Florida. And we started a business together. Um, this was back in 2014. And especially like uh, it was in, Anything under the umbrella of health, we did it. Um, we had supplements. We did one-on-one -on -one consulting for metabolic issues. We did, um, you know, working with high-level performance athletes, you know, triathlon athletes, Ironman athletes, anything in between. Um, and, you know, that kind of evolved over five years into kind of just like me looking at this as like my master's degree in business. Like, what can I just learn from this experience? Like, spend all the money we're making on you know, different, you know, business strategies, trying to find something that works that resonates with our crowd. Um, and it was a really amazing experience. I learned a ton and I, I would just sit and I would just read research like all day. And like when I wasn't reading research, I was building a business plan um, and trying new things. And so that was a really cool way for me to basically kind of get like a master's uh, of like kind of like health startup education. Um, and that was just kind of like a pivotal experience for me in my life. And then, you know, naturally I went on to um, found more businesses because I guess that's kind of what you do when you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> you just keep doing that. Um, so my next business was Bear Nut Butter. That does still exist. It's bearnutbutter.com. We sell um, bulk almond butter to small businesses across the country. So we're talking like juice shops, 
breakfast places, anyone that uses a lot of almond butter, like we basically found a niche where there's no one really supplying uh, bulk almond butter to these people. So we're like, okay, like let's be that bulk almond butter supplier. So we manufacture out in California. We distribute out of Oklahoma City, which is kind of like a nice like uh, central point for distribution. Um, and, and we're killing it in 2019. I really enjoy doing that because it's, it's really cool to be able to basically form these relationships with other small businesses that are, you know, trying to improve their supply chain, trying to improve their product quality and sit down with them and say like, hey, what is your what is your business goal? And like, how can we improve your ability to achieve that with a better product as far as almond butter? So that's really cool. And that's something that I've been doing for about three years now and seeing a ton of growth in 2019. So really excited about that. Um, and then, you know, I went on to also co-found a kind of a, another like biotech company that no longer exists. Unfortunately, we didn't secure funding kind of in the last minute. It fell through a little bit, but um, that was in kind of like the phytocannabinoid realm. We were looking at kind of, you know, some sort of a topical solution for eczema, psoriasis, um, and we're using basically a blend of non-cannabis phytocannabinoids um, to target like, the CB2 receptor, reduce inflammation, things like that. Um, so that was a really cool project. Again, like in the sciences, in the nitty gritty details of how these things work, their mechanism action, and how can we basically, you know, create a stable formula that has a shelf life. And like, it's just, it's one of these things that like, just evolves. It starts with like the little cool science and it evolves into this huge large scale operation of like all these crazy components of how you create a business and how you market a product and how you distribute a product. And, you know, it, it all kind of comes down to, I think like what probably one of the things I'm probably the best at now is understanding like the complex science behind something and then putting it into terminology that like the general population can understand. So um, that's kind of what I'm bringing to like routine. A lot of the research around kind of these mass market vitamins is, is really poor. We actually tend to see like no benefit. And actually in some instances, slight detriment when you're talking about mass market, one size fits all multivitamins. So it's really cool to see the industry in the past year, year and a half, start moving towards this personalized approach. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second. So that was my long ramble about <laughs> my background. I love it. And it's, I mean, you definitely have the entrepreneur game down. I would certainly say that you are an expert in entrepreneurship and that's amazing. Um, it's funny that you mentioned behavioral change because, you know, as a health scientist, I have my master's in public health and and work at a public health agency and behavior change is the most difficult. It, there's not a really good way to get people to change their behaviors. That being said, I am all for making things simpler, easier or stepwise so that folks can make a change and be more successful. Um, but there's a fine line because I think everybody is looking for that magic pill. Everybody wants that shortcut, that, that thing that they can like take or eat or whatever that's going to fix their problems. And I, while I want things to be simple and easy for people, I also, I'm in the business of getting people to take full responsibility and ownership of their own health and wellness and kind of stepping away from leaning on insurance or leaning on medications and trying to do some of these lifestyle changes, even though they are difficult. But I think there's a combination of making things simple and also providing the education so that people can make more informed choices about what they're eating, how much they move. And once they start to feel the benefits of living a healthier lifestyle, I think that kind of sells it it's on its own. Um, but it's a matter of, you know, getting people to, to make that first leap. So that first step does have to be more of a simple step. Absolutely. That's something I, I fully believe in. I, I, I continually preach about like the four pillars of health and this idea that if you don't have a solid health foundation, you should not be spending any time or any money on these like exotic 
Mm -hmm. weird supplements and protocols and diets and things like that, you have to start with a foundation. And typically when you look at the research and you just look at, you know, personal experiences with clients, people see by far the most benefit from these really, really simple lifestyle improvements across kind of the four pillars. And those are sleep, exercise, stress management, uh, and wait, what is it? Oh, nutrition. Yeah. So sleep, exercise, stress management, nutrition. Those are kind of like the four pillars that you just need to have small improvements in each of those four pillars. And like, when I'm talking about a small improvement in nutrition, I'm not talking about like going vegan. I'm not talking about five day water fast. I'm not talking about going keto. Like those are kind of like the more dramatic, um, like next step type things that you might want to consider once you have a solid foundation. But it's like, it's these small improvements in these four pillars that kind of work together, support each other and really give you the basis to improve your health. People get excited about the new technology and they want to do the new fun thing and they want to have like the best supplement. And again, they're all chasing that magic pill, the thing that's going to make them faster, stronger, smarter, skinnier, beautiful, whatever it is. And it just comes down to daily habits, like you mentioned before. And those are fairly simple, you know, getting enough sleep, getting to sleep at the right timing making sure that when you're eating is the right time period that works for your biology to support your circadian rhythm, making sure that when you exercise, it's the same thing. Not only is it the right timing, but it's enough to support your lifestyle and your needs. Um, and nutrition, you know, like you said, it doesn't need to be super complicated. You don't have to go on any of these special diets. And I say it all the time. I hate the word diet anyways, because that, um, just, it implies that it's, it's temporary and it's not a lifestyle change. So I totally agree with you there. And I, I love your, the way that you've broken it into the four pillars of sleep, exercise, nutrition, and stress management, because if you don't have a foundation in those four, then it doesn't matter what else you do. You could do the most expensive biohacking technology and you could have all the devices and be doing all that but if you don't have these four basic things down, you're not going to feel any improvements from that. Exactly. And I, I always use car analogies because I think a lot of people don't understand the science, but they do understand cars. And it's just like, it's the common mistake of taking a car that hasn't had an oil change in 20 years and like slapping a turbocharger on it. Like <laughs> That's just not something you want to do. And so many people, you're right. They, so many people spend so much money on these exotic supplements and, and diets and exercise plans without having a strong foundation. And I think that's one of the things we're trying to achieve at routine is like, you know, supplements have this hierarchy as well. Like there's the pyramid approach to supplements as well. And you want to have a solid supplemental foundation. And in general, that solid supplemental foundation is actually fortifying your overall health foundation, which is, you know, those four pillars. And so like, I think like the first step of supplementation is to fortify those four pillars. So if you need to improve your sleep, your first, you know, you should be looking at sleep supplements if that is your, your strategy there. So in terms of like routine, in terms of multivitamins, like this is kind of one of those daily habits that you can, that you can do every single morning to improve your micronutrient status. And it's one of those things where I see over and over and over again, people having these like really high level debates on like, oh, what is the best form of engineered curcumin? But, you know, they might have like a major magnesium deficiency. So it's like, it's like, you're always going to get more benefit from correcting a deficiency or an insufficiency in some of these micronutrient statuses, these essential micronutrient statuses, instead of taking some, you know, super exotic stuff like TA65, mm -hmm. a 4, that is going to like lengthen your telomeres, allegedly. <laughs> 
So like start with the basics, start with your essential vitamins and minerals and making sure that those are working for you and that they are in a proper balance for you. And like, this kind of gets into the point of like personalized vitamins and personalized supplements and kind of the greater sphere of personalized health, which we're seeing a huge move in the health industry, basically moving into this personalization because we're finally there from a technological and manufacturing standpoint. We can actually do these things and provide personalized products and personalized protocols. And we have the ability to take your biometric data and see where you differ from other people. And mm-hmm. I know everyone tends to like, they understand that they're different than other people, but they don't understand to what level. And, and we're finally understanding, this is kind of getting into nutrigenetics, but this idea that you know you are different at a fundamental genetic level than other people. And that definitely that trans translates into your micronutrient needs. And so at routine, we, we basically look at your lifestyle. That's a component. We look at your current blood nutrient status. That's a component. And then we look at your DNA, your genetics. That's a component. And then all those three points of data go into our algorithm. Algorithm basically spit out like an RDA for you. And then we have a custom manufacturing procedure that we follow that we can basically tailor a multivitamin to meet those exact nutrient recommendations. So it's really cool, especially it's cool to see like, people and how much they differ in, in some of the things that they're really interested in. Like the, the, the talking points that I always come back to are like, you know, vitamin D because everyone knows vitamin D, the omega threes, um, MTHFR mutations and folate status. Like these are some of the things that really resonate with people because they understand what they are. So I t- typically tend to talk about those. So like if I were just kind of go over a few really quickly, like I think the MTHFR one is really interesting. Obviously MTHFR has to do with, you know, folate folic acid, vitamin B9, these are kind of all the same terms. Um, but it's, it's basically the, the last enzyme in a pathway that basically activates folate and folic acid. So folic acid is a synthetic compound found in supplements and fortified foods. Folate is typically coming from dietary sources. Both of those, there's multiple enzymes in the pathway, but both of those you know, compounds have to eventually pass through the MTHFR enzyme, which converts those into bioactive folate or methyl folate or 5-MTHF, whichever one, whichever term you want to use. Point being is that it is the activated form of folate that actually has a function in the body. And so the issue is, is that about 85% of the population has an MTHFR mutation. And so keep in mind when I'm talking about an MTHFR gene and an MTHFR enzyme, the, the flow of information in biology is DNA to RNA to, to proteins. And so when we're talking about an MTHFR gene mutation, that is basically just changing, that's changing the blueprint for the MTHFR enzyme. So it's gonna be built a little bit differently and it's gonna function a little bit differently. And typically these small mutations in the gene make the enzyme a little less efficient. So when I'm saying 85% of the population has an MTHFR enzyme, that's a huge number. Like it's insane. And I like to use that number because it shows kind of the prevalence of a lot of these mutations that a lot of times when you're talking about genetics, people just say, oh, oh, that couldn't happen to me. Like, I don't have that. But this is a good way to say, like, you definitely might. You actually probably do have a mutation. And then you can break it down into, like, what does this mutation mean? There's actually two primary mutations. One of them is the C677T mutation. That's considered the bad mutation. And the other one is the A1298C mutation. That is the kind of bad mutation. And, you know, for, for people that are familiar with genetics, you can get your Punnett square out. And, you know, there's three possible variations. You can have you know, no variant, you can have no mutation, you can have the C677T mutation, or you can have the A129C mutation. You almost can never have both mutations on the same gene, but you have two genes for the MTHFR mutation. So there's six total possibilities, but keep in mind, two of those possibilities are actually the same because it's just basically saying you either have the C677T and the A129C, or you have like the, the reverse and you have the A129C first and the C677T second. 
this is getting kind of into the nitty gritty, but I think some people kind of appreciate that. And it's important to understand that like there's more nuance to this than you see on Reddit and you see on the kind of these mm -hmm. online conversations where people are like, oh, MTHFR, you know, if you have an MTHFR mutation, you have to take the bioactive form of folate, methylfolate. That's not actually true. Actually, you know, only about 30% of that population actually probably needs supplement with 5-MTHF. Um, and that's the people that have the compound C677T mutations or the uh, compound heterozygous C677T and A1298C, which basically means you have one of each of the mutations. Those people, their MTHFR enzyme activity is so crippled that they have a really hard time processing that folic acid and that folate into the bioactive form. And they're almost always going to be deficient in the bioactive form of 5-MTHF. So then you're going to start seeing that come up in things like, you know, the homocysteine, all sorts of methylation cycles. Um, and you're going to start seeing basically they're at an impaired methylation status. That's basically what vitamin B9 is primarily doing. It has to do with methylation throughout the body. So it's just important yeah. to understand your status here and what it means for you. Um, and that's something that we do a routine is we basically provide a DNA test. We test for these two MTHFR mutations. We look at which ones you have, which ones you don't. We assess your current processing capacity of the MTHFR enzyme. And then we either provide you with a normal level of folic acid, or maybe we'll just bump up the folic acid a little bit. Like if you just have a mildly impaired MTHFR enzyme, all you have to do is slightly increase your folic acid intake. And that MTHFR enzyme is still going to process you to a normal level of methylfolate. And then uh, people that have significantly impaired MTHFR activity, we actually split the dose half between folic acid and half between bioactive folate. Um, and one of the, and there's a whole bunch of reasons why we do this. And we can start talking about COMT and all these like uh, kind of neurotransmitter imbalances that people often run into. So a lot of people that have supplemented directly with 5-MTHF, some people that have certain genetic profiles actually get a little bit anxious or irritable when they basically overload um, their methylation cycle, especially when they're coming from a, a level of deficiency. So when splitting, when splitting between folic acid and 5-MTHF, we're still allowing for MTHFR to slightly regulate that. And we're never worried about overloading MTHFR because again, we are having the dose of folic acid. Um, and we're also having the dose of 5-MTHF compared to what a normal person would probably do if they went out to one of these, you know, supplement companies and bought just some mega dose of 5-MTHF. And so we typically see much better results. And that is compounded by the fact that we offer these in slow release microbeads. So mm -hmm. instead of just dumping, you know, a ton of 5-MTHF into someone's system over 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, it's actually slow release. So that's going to be extended over a prolonged period of time. And so you're not going to get this big hit of 5-MTHF that could cause some neurotransmitter imbalances and stuff like that. Yeah. So I have a, a bunch of questions. <laughs> um, so first off, I know a lot of the time why people want to avoid like a multivitamin, a typical multivitamin is one is that it's the same dosage of everything in that vitamin for every person. And as you mentioned, every person has different needs and needs a different level and also needs a different combination of vitamins. Um, for me personally, I usually take each of my vitamins separately because I know how much of each thing I need and I can't take a multivitamin that provides that. So I love that you guys are looking at each individual's needs to kind of tailor a vitamin for that person. But how do you make sure that there is enough of that vitamin in the, in the single dosage without having to take 
like 10 pills. That's another problem with the multivitamin, like the dosage is usually one or two, but then that doesn't really provide you with what you need for the entire day. You would have to take a whole handful or consistently throughout the day to get enough. And so you mentioned the time release, but how does it work? Yeah. So if you, if, when you go on our website, which I'm sure a lot of people will to kind of check this stuff out, you'll see that like, we actually have a pretty strange delivery format. We actually provide them in microbeads. So they kind of look like little dip and dots in these packages. It's not actually in a pill or a capsule or a gel cap, um, which is really nice for people that don't like to swallow pills. So instead you're like kind of swallowing like a little packet of dip and dots, which is a, a little strange to take it the first time. But once you get used to it, it, it's really easy. You just kind of put it on your tongue and you just like swallow it with water and it, it just goes down. Like you're like swallowing dip and dots more or less, but not quite as cold. Um, <laughs> So that's kind of cool. And what we can basically do with this kind of microbead technology is we can really fine tune your, your doses. So a lot of these other personalized quote unquote um, vitamin companies, it's like their, their nutrient capacity in terms of like providing it a nutrient is like a light switch. Like they have a predefined vitamin D pill that has a predefined vitamin D amount. And based on like the lifestyle questionnaire you take, you either get that pill or you don't get that pill. We look at you know, your lifestyle, how much time you're spending in the sun, how much fish you're eating, things like that, your blood nutrient levels. So basically how, what your current status of vitamin D is, and then your genetic profile, maybe you have a, uh, a mutation in the VDR receptor, um, which basically means that you have a dysfunctional receptor and you actually need considerably more vitamin D to achieve the same level of vitamin D activation in the body. So we take all three of those com and combine them into basically your vitamin D need. And then we can add little tiny microbeads by bead, by bead, by bead to basically precisely meet that nutrient requirement for you that you have. Um, and then again, kind of back to your question in terms of how do we get enough in there? We basically just, some people have really small packs and they don't like really need all that much. And so they have much fewer microbeads. Other people need a lot more vitamins. And so we just fill their pack up more. Um, so the average person about their packs about half full in terms of like the total volume, that's just like what is normally there. But some people have a much fuller pack and some people have a little bit less full pack. And like, it, it's not to say that like, if you have a less full pack, like that's not that you're not like getting gypped. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's actually, that just means that you don't need quite as many of certain vitamins or minerals, or maybe the vitamins and minerals that you do need are actually smaller. So you're getting a much higher dose, but it's not actually taking up as much volume in the pack. It gets really, you know, it gets really kind of into the weeds, but it's just, we can basically adjust the dose to meet what you need is kind of it in a nutshell. That's really interesting. It's got to be a cost savings because per month, you know, buying different vitamins and minerals separately really adds up. So if you're able to get exactly the amount you need all in one, that is actually an effective dose, then that's really awesome. Like it's, it's hard to find that in the supplement world in general. You mentioned that you do a genetic test and I know your company has one that they do, but I also saw that you can use your existing 23andMe genetic testing results to tailor your vitamin pack. But I was wondering because the 23andMe, at least the interface to the customer doesn't show all of these results that you were talking about, about like the methylation pathways, it doesn't really go into those details. So do they test all of those things on 23andMe and it's just available in your raw data or is it an additional test that you would need to take on top of it? Yeah. So great question. So our, our in-home routine test tests for 52 genes that are related to your nutrient needs, proven relation to nutrient needs. Um, 
the, the 23 and me interface and ancestry.com interface, as far as the health goes, I think are like, kind of terrible, like in terms of what I'm interested in, like, because I'm interested in like the nitty gritty science. They're talking about like, can you smell asparagus in your pee? Like, it's just like, it's totally like irrelevant information in my eyes. Um, what color is your hair? Stuff like that. That said, they do test for all of these things. It's just in your raw data. So you can take your raw data, you can export it, and you can actually upload it into a lot of online softwares if you're just kind of interested, ours being one of them. So you can take your raw 23andMe data and you can upload it into routine. And it'd be basically without, without purchasing vitamins, if you just kind of want to see, you know, if you are someone that would benefit from this, which I almost guarantee you that you will, um, you basically upload it and we will spit back out a report. We basically go in and we analyze all these SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms that are associated with nutrient needs and spit out a nutrient report that basically says, here's your genome, here's how you differ from the, the population, here are your increased nutrient needs, and here's kind of what we would do if we were to build you a vitamin. So you can do that with uh, routine, you can do that with other softwares. Like one of the ones that I use that gets kind of really nitty gritty is um, Prometheus.com is basically like a, it costs like 10 bucks, but you upload your raw data into it. And it's like a Wikipedia for anything you could possibly ever want to know about the genome that was sequenced. And again, we're not doing 23andMe and Ancestry. Anything under the $500 price point isn't doing full genome sequencing. They're just basically doing, you know, genotyping. They're just going, instead of reading every single letter on the page of a book, they're just reading certain letters on certain pages that are, you know, that basically tell you whether or not you have a gene variant. So Prometheus basically goes in and analyzes your entire raw data and says, here are all your gene variants. Here is the magnitude of impact that it has on your health. And here is basically some information in terms, it basically compiles all the literature that has ever been done about that single nucleotide polymorphism in terms of your health status. And you can just kind of read all the results. So that's kind of more mm -hmm. for like the advanced user, like someone that has like a very strong you know, basis in genetics. Um, the average person probably wouldn't want to do that because they'd be very overwhelmed very quickly. But yes, to answer your question, mm -hmm. 23andMe and Ancestry, they have all, all that stuff in the raw data. So when you do export it from 23andMe and you upload it into routine, you're going to get basically the exact same result it, compared to if you were just to take the routine in-home test. So we, we have a ton of people that do that um, and, and they basically just upload the 23andMe data and they get their vitamins really quickly because we don't have to actually process uh, their DNA. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, and you mentioned that it's also based on lifestyle. So this is kind of where... I guess in my, in my opinion, lifestyle, blood, or DNA, like which is the most actionable, which is the most important. In my opinion, I would say it's DNA at number one, blood at number two, and then lifestyle at number three. And the reason why I say this is because lifestyle can be very misleading. So for example, you could take a quiz and say, yes, I eat plenty of fruits and vegetables two times a day, right? That's going to basically indicate in the quiz that your folate status is good because you're getting plenty of dietary folates from these foods. But if you don't know your genetic status, as far as that MTHFR gene that we went into very deep detail earlier, you don't know whether or not you're actually converting that folate into something that's usable. So there's, you know, about 30% about of people are going to have very, very low conversion rates of that dietary folate into 5-MTHF. So without that genetic context, that lifestyle data is actually quite misleading because it would say, okay, this person doesn't need 5-MTHF or this person doesn't need increased folic acid or this or folinic acid or whatever it may be. And that's going to be one of the issues that you kind of run to. Same thing with like the HFE gene. So like the HFE gene is related to hemochromatosis. Um, and basically if you have mutations, certain mutations in the HFE gene, you absorb way too much iron from the gut and you get condition called hemochromatosis, which is basically where your, your body starts becoming saturated with iron because we don't have like a really 
efficient method of removing iron from the body. Um, the body actually just has a very fine tune absorption mechanism. So we actually just limit the amount that is being absorbed. But if too much gets absorbed, which occurs when you have these mutations and those, those proteins, those enzymes aren't functioning correctly and too much is being absorbed, once it gets in, it's really tough to get it out. Um, and so for example, this is one of the reasons where you, know, you could be indicating on a lifestyle quiz based on you know, diet that you have plenty of iron or sorry, that you need iron or maybe you're an athlete and have a ton of activity level and they basically saying you need more iron, something like that. And then, but without the genetic context provided by you know, the HFE gene, you don't know that actually that iron could be extremely harmful to you. So this is one of the reasons where like kind of those mass market vitamins that have iron in it to a very small percent of the population, it, it could be quite harmful to have any iron in your um, multivitamin. And so this is kind of one of the reasons why I think it's really important to provide the context of blood and DNA. So to get back to your question in terms of, you know, what, what supplements should a athlete be taking um, and how do we take that into account in our quiz? Um, we basically look at activity level and that's going to tell us quite a few different things. We look at weight, we look at, you know, age, gender, you know, diet, uh, lifestyle habits, do you smoke, do you not smoke, are you pregnant, things like that. And they all, they all play a role. Um, we have a very complex algorithm that kind of takes all of these little bits and weighs them against each other and then weighs them against the DNA and the blood data. And it, it kind of generates a uh, result. So it's really tough to say, like, if you answer this question, we will give you this. That makes sense. It's got to be a combination of your genetics and your lifestyle. However, because the, the field of epigenetics is really emerging right now, and we're finding out that actually our lifestyle changes how our genes are expressed mm -hmm. or turned on and off. So I think, in my opinion, lifestyle is just as important as genetic um, testing, because your lifestyle is going to largely affect your genetics. Um, especially over time and especially with, with like daily habits. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I guess I kind of misconstrued your, your question there. I, I definitely think you have like kind of a core, a core nutrient need that you need to be hitting on a daily basis. And, mm -hmm. and that might fluctuate a little bit depending on activity level. Um, and, and one of the cool things about our algorithm is as you update your information, we always pull the most current data that you provide to build your next round of vitamins. So if oh, you that's have it, cool. Yeah. So if you have a major lifestyle change, like you get pregnant or you move to some other country and you're getting totally different levels of you know, vitamin D from the sun, things like that, you can retake the quiz and it will repopulate your profile with that new data. Same thing with okay. blood. So it, cool. every single time you get blood that has micronutrient data in it, always upload that data because that's how we kind of start looking at trends. And we can say like, okay, like maybe you have an absorption problem because we're giving you a fairly high dose of vitamin B12, but you're not actually seeing a significant improvement. So now we can actually increase the dose even further. So that's kind of how the blood plays a role in there. Um, and, and it's cool because again, like we just keep pulling the freshest data to build your vitamins. So it's always personalized to you and your current nutrient needs. Mm. Um, and then you, I love that. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely really cool. And the, the epigenetic thing is, is absolutely correct. I think that's incredibly important for people to understand is that whenever you're doing genetic testing, especially when you're kind of looking at some of these kind of like scarier genes and, you know, your predisposition for certain diseases. Like if you are an APOE4 carrier, you're predisposed to Alzheimer's disease. And like for a lot of people that really scares them because I, I don't think they really know how to take that information and action, action makes it actionable and basically say, okay, like here are the things I need to do to mitigate this risk. But ultimately we know that like, even back when I was in school, back in like 2010, 2014, like there, that still conversation was going on, like nature versus nurture nature versus nurture. Is it genetics or is it your environment? Is it genetics or your environment? That, that doesn't exist anymore. We now know that you have a genetic profile, but you can nurture your nature. So 
how you live directly influences what genes are expressed in your body and it totally changes your biology. So everyone should know that ultimately they have the final say over kind of like their future path in health, wellness, fitness, whatever it may be through the lifestyle they live. So our goal here is basically to take all of this insanely cool research and put it into a product that we can provide to a customer and help them learn about their body and a really easy way to do so. Like we provide all the information, we do all the, the custom processing of, of your data and building your vitamins. You just get to sit back and say, like, oh, that's really cool. I didn't know that I had that genetic variant. I didn't know that that genetic variant impacted this nutrient. And, and then you just take the vitamin. Like it's, it's, it's just like a, such a great solution for the average person and without having to go through potentially months of research and learning and supplement <laughs> formulation and stuff like that. So that's why I'm really excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, I think most people don't have the time or the resources or the money or the support to work one-on-one -on -one with like a functional doctor that can constantly be checking their blood levels, also consider their DNA, also consider all the changes in their lifestyle to constantly update every supplement that, that you should take and how much of it and when they should take it during the day. So I think that for the general population. I think it's a great solution. So before we wrap up the podcast, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions that I ask all of the guests. And one of them is morning routines have become a very popular topic amongst the biohacking community. And so I was curious if you have a morning routine and if so, what does that consist of? Cool. So I would say my morning routine matters far less than my evening routine. I'm super, super into sleep. I think if there's one pillar of health that you can improve and see improvements across every single aspect of your biology and your life is definitely sleep. And I think it's incredibly undervalued. Everyone spends so much time and money on nutrition and exercise and no one talks about sleep, but you know, ultimately sleep is going to be probably the biggest factor in your overall health. And so in terms of my morning routine, like it's pretty standard. You know, I wake up, I work from home, I work remote. So it's like, wake up, I go have some tea. I'm trying to cut back on caffeine. Um, I only have caffeine maybe twice a week nowadays. Um, and then sit down on my computer. Maybe I'll do like a little bit of exercise to kind of like wake my body up. So my morning routine is very boring, <laughs> especially in terms of uh, probably what a lot of people tell you um, on your podcast. I think my, my evening routine is much more important because again, like the evening how, how you sleep is going to potentiate your morning. It's going to allow you to do so many more things, feel better, you know, have a better mood, more, more focused, things like that. So um, in terms of my evening routine, you know, it's just like, it's all about sleep. It's all about, you know, trying to figure out like what I'm struggling with and, and how to fix it. So identify your weaknesses and, and fix them in a way that is going to improve your life. So something that I've been using a lot is my aura ring. So in terms of like, probably like, probably the, my favorite like product in terms of like a biohacking product that I've used in the past couple of years is definitely my aura ring just because it tracks sleep so well. And it really provides actionable data based on you know, heart, heart rate variability, um, your sleep stages, and then your act activity the day before. So it allows you, it basically compiles that into a base, a number and it shows you really cool metrics on how you're sleeping and all that stuff. And it, what it allows me to do is test supplements. So I can take, it allows me to have like actionable data as far as Okay, I took the supplement. I spent 50 bucks on the supplement. I took it for three weeks and I saw zero improvement in my sleep. Okay, probably not going to buy that supplement again. Probably isn't working for me. Um, so that's really cool. It's actually kind of cost saving at the end of the day. The ring itself is not cheap, but it has probably saved me 
um, as much money as I spent on the ring in terms of supplements that I kind of axed from my regimen just because you know, shows you what's working and what's not working. So things that have been working for me are like glycine, uh, L-theanine, full spectrum hemp extracts. I do not like CBD isolates and I do not like THC. THC is actually quite bad for sleep. Um, so full spectrum hemp that has going to have 80 plus phytocannabinoids, they seem to kind of have like a gangbuster effect where they all work together and it has much better benefits than like a CBD isolate. Um, and then magnesium L3 and 8, which is kind of the form of magnesium that most readily crosses the blood brain barrier. Um, so many cool biochemical things are occurring in the brain during your sleep and, and uh, magnesium catalyzes so many of these reactions. I think it's really good to have a decent level of magnesium in the brain while you're sleeping. So those things have been pretty good for me um, and have really kind of improved my mornings just by sleeping better um, and improving sleep. So that's probably, you know, my most concise answer to that question. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you mention a nighttime routine or, you know, in general, I'm just wondering what people do on a daily basis that has the greatest impact for their health and like sets them up for a successful day. And so I think evening routines do the same thing. Um, so it's great that you mention that. So folks don't feel like, you know, I don't have time in the morning or I, I'm not a morning person. You can still have a great evening routine. <clears throat> I also love that you mentioned the biometrics and, and a wearable to collect them because I am all about collecting data and making decisions based on your personal data. Mm -hmm. Um, I wear the bio strap, which is like almost the same thing as the aura ring. The, um, the platform to track your biometrics is a little bit different. And so whatever wearable you wear, whether it's the bio strap or the aura ring, I think it's such a valuable piece of information to make decisions. Like you said, I do the same exact thing. I've tested out my different sleep biohacks using my bio strap. And so I've actually found also that magnesium three and eight is is clutch. I actually haven't found that any other supplement has really been helpful or not in a measurable way. But the other things are blocking blue light at night. And the other thing is getting exercise in the day during the day before that night of sleep. That also has a huge impact. So I found those three things to be like hugely beneficial to sleep. And I wouldn't have known that unless I was tracking my biometrics. Exactly. Absolutely. And like another one to kind of add to that list is when you eat, I think probably one of the mm -hmm. biggest things for me is, especially because like I, I'm used to exercising kind of in the evening, you know, I'm used to, you know, getting done with, getting know, school or getting done with work and going to the gym at like five or six o'clock. But they think it's kind of like the, the norm for most people. But the issue with that is, okay, so you're working out at five 30 or six, you're not getting home until seven, seven 30. You're not eating until eight o'clock at night. And typically people that are athletes are eating a whole bunch of food post-workout. So now all mm -hmm. of a sudden you, you're just loading food into your system right before you go to bed. That is terrible for sleep. So what I've kind of done is I've shifted my entire eating window, not quite to like the super early morning, but I typically start eating at about 11 a.m. And then I'll stop eating if possible by like 6 p.m. So I'll try to work out at like four and get my big meal in at like 5.30 or like right at six. That has had huge improvements on my deep sleep and my REM sleep um, that I've seen, you know, again, through the aura interface. And that's just something to consider because I know a lot of people eat really late in the evening. A lot of people have caffeine post, post noon. These are really bad things for sleep. You got to consider that when you're trying to optimize. A lot of times just, you know, with working and in school and everything else going on, it's hard to eat your last meal by 6 p.m., which is also my preferred time to stop eating mm -hmm. if possible. But even if I eat 
you know, my last meal at 8 p.m. and don't eat again until maybe like two the next day, um, I still feel pretty good. And that doesn't impact my sleep too much. But it's like that late night eating, like anything past 8 p.m., it really just like the sleep, the sleep quality completely plummets. So I totally agree with that out of all the things you've talked about and maybe you've covered it and maybe you haven't, maybe it's something else. What would be like the number one piece of tangible information that anyone listening right now can add into their lifestyle to make the biggest impact on their overall health and wellness? Ooh, awesome question. Okay. So I'm going to divide this into two parts, but I'll keep it kind of brief. And for all the listeners out there, these are pretty boring answers, but please step outside of your body and look at yourself from a third person perspective and try to think about these things because this is something that they're so basic and fundamental, but so many people get them wrong and and they really have an impact on everything you're trying to do in your life. So first and foremost, identify your health, wellness, fitness, whatever you're trying to do, identify your goal. Because until you have a goal, you have no idea what you're doing. So identify what it is that you're trying to achieve and, you know, do so in a way that's kind of precise. Like it doesn't have to be like hyper precise. I'm trying to reduce my LDL cholesterol by 28 points in 28 days. Like it doesn't have to be like that precise, but put a time frame on it, give some sort of trackable metric. um, So you have an idea of if what you're doing is actually working. So First and foremost, identify your goal and then work towards that goal. So second is how do you work towards that goal? And you have to focus on your foundation. This is something I've kind of already covered, but hands down, the most benefit you're going to get are from the small daily improvements in sleep, exercise, stress management, and um, nutrition. Like it is, you cannot get away from this. You have to do it if you want to have improvement. Um, So I would say spend less time and less money on the exotic, weird, strange biohacking products and protocols and spend more time on your foundation. You know, this comes down to like the 80-20 Pareto principle that is, you know, really important to understand kind of in every aspect of your life. You know, 80% of your benefit is going to come from 20% of what you do. And you can kind of construe this language to um, hit multiple different aspects, but 80-20 in health, 80% of your time should be spent on your foundation. And it's just going to, it's going to be like the, it's overwhelming the amount of benefit you're going to have from improvements, small improvements in your foundation. So those simple, sustainable strategies are incredibly important. And this is something I see very commonly in the biohacking community because everyone's so into the latest, greatest tech and supplement and stuff like that, that they just lose sight of what's really important. And I'm not saying that you can't do the cool tech stuff. You can't have the cool supplements. It's just like, the, the level of impact, the magnitude of impact is so much lower than the, the improvements in your foundation. So those are my boring answers, but probably very important things to understand. <laughs> I don't think they're boring at all. I think if we get our baseline to a healthy level, like you said, that 80%, then, then if you, after that, want to get that extra 1%, 2%, 3% in performance, then you can go out and try all of these cool tech devices and exotic supplements. But I think getting your baseline to a healthy level um, is key before you start anything else. And I know that that's the unpopular answer because the more fun thing is to go out and do all of the, all of the fun new tech. But if your baseline is not 
to an optimal level, none of that's going to make a difference. I, I hate these words now. Like uh, you can't <laughs> yeah. use whole, you can't use holistic in, in any way now because it's just like, it, there's just like so much bad association with it. You can't use biohacking now because there's so many people that label themselves as biohackers that have no idea what they're doing. There's so many, like keto <laughs> is now like a dirty word because again, like, it's a really cool strategy that has really cool applications, but like as it hit mainstream in kind of 2017, 2018, now everyone does keto and everyone does it so incorrectly that it's like, I don't yeah. even want to be associated with the term anymore. So it's just like, ah, it's, it's too bad that like the industry does that. It's all these pretty cool terms. But like five years ago, it was really cool to be a biohacker. Now it's like, uh, like <laughs> I kind of like almost don't even want the label. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely feel that. But I'm also all about like being all inclusive. I'm like the more the merrier. Let's all join together and figure out what is the best way forward. Like it's less of a popularity contest and it's more like all inclusive. We're all humans, we're all trying to do the best we can. So we should all join together to find out exactly what are these best approaches and then share that information. So I don't really care what the label is, as long as it's sharing of good information, I'm all for it. Definitely, I think my, my yeah. problem with the label is when people try to use it to take advantage of a segment of the population. Like yeah. now all of a sudden we have like companies and people with these like fraudulent products and plans and that are using keto and biohacker as like buzzwords to get people mm -hmm. to buy their products. That's what I don't like. Ultimately yeah. everyone's biohacker sweet. It's so awesome that people are trying to improve their health. I hate when like these words become so mainstream that they become marketing terms. That's what really bothers me. Yeah, I agree. I hate that. I love the umbrella to bring us all together under one title or something biohacker or whatever it might be but you're right i don't like it when companies take advantage and say they're a biohacking product when it's like a weight loss pill that's very unhealthy that has been proven to like cause heart attack <laughs> so right. things like that yeah i agree um so if our listeners are interested in connecting with you or if they want to learn more about routine vitamins where where's the best place for them to get a hold of you Definitely. So if you want to talk to me personally, probably just my Instagram channel, uh, at Ty Jensen, my name is called T Y E J E N S E N. Um, I respond to everything on there. So feel free to like direct message me or comment on a post. Um, and as far as routine, routinevitamins.com routine is spelled with two O's. So root, like the root of a tree routine vitamins.com. Um, and you can check us out there. And if you want to like kind of reach out to me, Ty at routinevitamins.com is my email. So feel free to reach out. I do respond to everything and I'm happy to answer your questions. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and have a great weekend. Thank you so much for listening today. You are the driving force behind this podcast. So if you liked this episode, please let me know by leaving a review. And I would also love it if you could share, text, email, or even screenshot the podcast episode and share it on your social media and be sure to tag me, biocurious underscore Kayla, so that I can repost your post. This really helps me to grow the podcast and continue bringing useful, actionable health information from amazing experts from around the world straight to your ear. <laughs>